0: Thank you for standing by and welcome to the Sturm ruger fourth quarter 2023 Earnings Conference call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during this session, you'll need to press star 11 on your telephone. If your question has been answered and you'd like to remove yourself from the queue, simply press star 11 again. As a reminder, today's program is being recorded. And now I'd like to introduce your host for today's program, Chris Killory president and CEO please go ahead sir
1: thank you good morning and welcome to the Sturm Ruger & Company year-end 2023 conference call I'd like to ask Kevin Reed our general counsel to read the caution on forward-looking statements Tom Denis and our chief financial officer will then give an overview of the fourth quarter and 2023 financial results and then I will discuss our operations and the state of the market after that we'll get to your questions Kevin thanks Chris
2: We want to remind everyone that statements made in the course of this meeting that state the company's or management's intentions, hopes, beliefs, expectations, or predictions of the future are forward-looking statements. It is important to note that the company's actual results could differ materially from those projected in such forward-looking statements. Additional information concerning factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from those in the forward-looking statements is contained from time to time in the company's SEC filings, including but not limited to the company's reports on Form 10-K for the year under December 31, 2023, and, of course, the Forms 10-Q for the first, second, and third quarters of 2023. of these documents may be obtained by contacting the company or the SEC or on the company website at Ruger.com forward slash corporate or, of course, the SEC website at sec.gov. We do reference non-GAAP EBITDA. Please note that the reconciliation of GAAP net income to non-GAAP EBITDA can be found in our Form 10-K for the year ended December 31st, 2023, and our Forms 10-Q for the first three quarters of 2023, which also are posted on our website. Furthermore, the company disclaims all responsibility to update forward-looking statements. Chris?
1: Thank you, Kevin. Now, Tom will discuss the company's 2023 results.
3: Thanks, Chris. For 2023, net sales were $544 million, and diluted earnings were $2.71 per share. For 2022, net sales were $596 million, and diluted earnings were $4.96 per share. For the fourth quarter of 2023, net sales were $131 million, and diluted earnings were $0.58 per share. For the corresponding period in 2022, Net sales were $149 million and diluted earnings were $1.06 per share. Our profitability declined in 2023 from 2022 as our gross margin decreased from 30% to 25%. The lower margin was driven by unfavorable deleveraging of fixed costs resulting from decreased production and sales. Inflationary cost increases in materials, commodities, services, wages, energy fuel and transportation our product mix shift toward products with relatively lower margins that remain in stronger demand and increased promotional costs our continued focus on financial discipline and the cultivation of long-term shareholder value is evident in our strong debt-free balance sheet at december 31st 2023 our cash and short-term investments totaled 118 million dollars Our short-term investments are invested in United States Treasury bills and in a money market fund that invests exclusively in United States Treasury instruments, which mature within one year. At December 31st, 2023, our current ratio was 4.3 to 1, and we had no debt. Stockholders' equity was $332 million, which equates to a book value of $19 per share Of which $6.74 was cash and short-term investments. In 2023, we generated $34 million of cash from operations. We reinvested $16 million of that back into the company in the form of capital expenditures related to new product introductions and upgrades to our manufacturing equipment and facilities. We expect our 2024 capital expenditures to total approximately $15 million. In 2023, we returned $123 million to our shareholders through the payment of $111 million of dividends, which included $88 million in the form of a $5 per share special dividend paid in January 2023, and the repurchase of more than 264,000 shares of our common stock in the open market at an average price of $44.71 per share for a total of $12 million. At December 31st, 2023, approximately $75 million still remain authorized for share repurchases. Our board of directors declared a $0.23 cent per share quarterly dividend for shareholders of record as of March 15, 2024, payable on March 28, 2024. As a reminder, our quarterly dividend is approximately 40% of net income and therefore varies quarter to quarter. That's the financial update for
1: 2023. Chris? Thanks, Tom. Consumer demand remained soft throughout most of 2023, likely dampened by inflationary pressure and rising interest rates, leading to a 9% reduction in sales from the prior year. The estimated unit sell-through of our products from the independent distributors to retailers in 2023 decreased 7% compared to 2023, excuse me, compared to 2022. In 2023, next background checks as adjusted by the National Shooting Sports Foundation, decreased 4%. Nevertheless, we remained disciplined and continued to focus on the long-term. Reducing production levels where appropriate and offering only modest promotions on select product families, resisting the temptation to enhance short-term results at the expense of our long-term strategy. As a result, inventory of our products at the independent distributors decreased 39,000 units in 2023, despite the decreased demand. We are encouraged by our increased quarterly sales and profitability in the fourth quarter, and we enter 2024 with a strong debt-free balance sheet, reduced distributor inventories, and a full pipeline of new products recently launched into the market and others still under development. 2024 is an exciting year for Ruger as we are celebrating our 75th anniversary. To honor our proud heritage, we are offering commemorative firearms that will only be available this year, all of which are engraved with our 75th anniversary logo. A Mark IV target pistol featuring a fully adjustable rear sight, an undercut Patrick front sight, and a heavy tapered barrel. A pair of 1022 Sporter Rimfire carbines, each featuring a stainless steel barrel, silver finished receiver, polished bolt, and a matte sanded butt pad. And an LCP Max double stack 10 round pistol chambered in 380 auto, featuring a stainless steel slide and a silver anodized aluminum trigger. Also, several limited production editions of other products will be released throughout the year. The first of these is the Diamond Anniversary Limited Edition 1911 pistol, which features an attractive, finely detailed laser engraved slide. We look forward to announcing more of these one-of-a-kind firearms throughout 2024. In addition to these 75th anniversary models, we recently introduced several new products that have been met with strong demand and excitement at the wholesale and retail levels and, most importantly, with our customers at the gun counter. The Ruger American Rifle Generation 2, our first update to the American Rifle, which has been tremendously popular since its introduction in 2012. The Gen 2 models offer an array of new standard features, which include a three-position tank safety, an eye-catching splatter-painted ergonomic stock with length of pull and comb height adjustability, and a Cerakote-finished spiral fluted barrel. The 60th Anniversary 1022 carbine, the 6th edition of the Ruger Collector Series, features a stainless steel barrel and silver-finished receiver paired with a gray Magpul Hunter X-22 stock, a black and bolt laser engraved with the unique 60th Anniversary markings, and a red bolt handle and trigger. Also have the Mini-14 with side-folding stock, reminiscent of the original side-folding Mini-14 rifles made popular in the 1980s. And the LC Carbine, now chambered in 45 auto, featuring a threaded barrel, adjustable folding stock, Ruger Rapid Deploy folding sights, and ambidextrous controls. Recently, there were some changes to the requirements for pistols to be sold in California. Consequently, five Ruger pistols were added to the California roster of certified handguns, including a Mark IV, a Mark IV 2245, an SR22, an LCP, and the fully-featured Ruger MAX 9 pistol. These models are the first that Ruger has been able to introduce to consumers in California in over 10 years, and we look forward to offering more quality Ruger pistols to the California roster in 2024. New product sales, which include only major new products that were introduced in the past two years, represented $122 million, or 23% of firearm sales, in 2023. That's an increase from $78 million, or 14% of sales, in 2022. This includes the MAX 9 pistol, the Security 380 pistol, the Super Wrangler revolver, the LCP MAX pistol, Marlin lever-action rifles, the LC carbine, small-frame auto-loading rifle, and most recently, the American center-fire rifle, Gen 2. We remain hard at work and look forward to introducing additional innovative Ruger and Marlin firearms in 2024. All of our new products and many of our classic firearms were on display at last month's SHOT Show in Las Vegas. It was an exciting show and a great way to catch up with a wide variety of retailers and other industry attendees. We co-hosted a 75th anniversary event along with the folks from Horn of the Ammunition who were also celebrating their 75th anniversary this year. It was a memorable evening that honored the, industry, honored the history and enduring achievements of two American leaders of our industry. We look forward to adding the next chapter of our proud legacy in 2024, and our diverse and growing catalog of products, robust debt-free balance sheet, commitment to a long-term strategy of generating and returning shareholder value, have us well-positioned to do so. Operator, may we have the first question?
0: Certainly, one moment for our first question. And our first question. Comes from the line of Mark Smith from Lake Street. Your question, please.
4: Hi, guys. Um,
0: First question for me is just
4: looking at the quarter here. uh, Mix impact during the quarter and maybe any impact that that had on ASP?
1: Hi, Mark. uh, Chris here. Yeah, I I think when you look at our average selling price in the quarter, uh, kind of two things stand up. The backlog actually went up in Q4. Uh, largely based on some of the higher price models that were introduced ie additional Marlin uh, centerfire lever actions and uh, additional orders for the SFAR uh, rifle uh, However, the average sales price of orders received when you look at that went down slightly uh, from uh, Say Q1 level and Q2 up from Q3 and that's really because we we're selling a lot of products like the, uh, the repositioned LCP max the original LCP that we had uh, uh, reposition that price and so all that combined resulted in, in good unit sales but the lower average uh, sales price of those guns going out
4: okay and, and I, I thought the orders looked strong here during the quarter is there any risk or should we be looking at do you feel like you pulled maybe some forward from Q1 which is typically a really strong order uh, quarter
1: uh, not really. We had a lot of lot of uh, new products launched in Q in Q four, particularly the uh, American Rifle Gen two, uh, and addition some additional uh, Marlin SKUs that that really impacted that order rate. So the order rate was strong, but it was all things that we expect to fulfill going forward, you know, as, as we go out go out into twenty twenty four. So I definitely don't think it was anything pulled forward. It was really had to do with the new product launches that went out in Q four.
4: Okay. Um, And then inventory, you know, your own as well as distributor inventory went down, you know, one of the better quarters here in the last couple of years. Um, You know, what's kind of your comfort level? How do you feel about where the, uh, you know, kind of channel inventory is today?
1: I think we're feeling pretty good about that. Uh, like you said, distributor inventory w- over the course of the year was down about 30,000. We were up about the same amount, but overall pretty balanced. So we like to target our distributors around six turns, And so right now they're, they're right about in that strike zone and uh, we, we feel pretty good about that. We don't see any sore spots in, in their inventory. Uh, some of the items that we repositioned through the course of 2023, were intended to help distributors move some of their problematic inventory uh, where they're a little higher in certain categories than they'd like to be. And we think we were, we're uh, effective in doing that.
4: Okay. And that just looking at the expense side of things, you know, operating expenses were a little higher uh, than we'd expected. Anything going on there? You know, do you feel like you know there's places maybe to cut going forward, or is this kind of a build-up? Uh, you know, coming into what could be a good year in 24. You know, any any insight into kind of where your expenses were, and and maybe anything in the outlook for 2024 would be great.
1: good question I think uh, I think we saw a slight uptick from 2022 We're about where we were in 2021 if I recall on the operating expenses a lot of that has to do with 2022 we had still uh, for example had not uh, gone to the SHOT show we had a couple expenses that were not in there versus 2023 we have a full complement of trade shows Uh, but there are certainly some areas we need to look at in terms of uh, Uh, making sure we have our expenses under control, cut some of those expenses where we can, and try to boost our uh, profitability. That's an active effort that's uh, uh, underway uh, as we speak.
4: Okay, and the last one. Chris, just kind of big picture as we look at, you know, historically going into an election year, we would look for pretty solid uh, demand. You know, as you look into your crystal ball, uh, any thoughts on kind of where the consumer's at and in, in demand for uh, for firearms this year?
1: Well, that's a good question. And, you know, one we, we grapple with and we look to plan the year out. Uh, at least right now we're seeing things fairly stable and we're not seeing uh, any – uh, outside demand in any particular product categories other than our new products we're seeing things like uh, at the at the recent shows at the uh, Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg Pennsylvania Western Hunting and, and uh, Conservation Expo in Salt Lake City tremendous demand for some of our new products so that's very positive but given the election year coming up I think if there's any impact there or probably be in the back half of the year we're not seeing anything right now and I just don't know uh, beyond that what we may see this year historically you know, some things. You know, whether it's saber rattling about additional uh, regulatory impact or fire or, or gun control may may drive sales, but I just don't know at this point. We're not seeing anything yet.
0: Okay, that's fair. Thank you. Thank you. And as a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question at this time, please press star one one. One moment for our next question. And our next question comes from the line of Brian Hamilton from Morgan Dempsey. Your question, please.
5: Hey, good morning, everyone. Thank you for taking my calls and my questions. Um, could you walk me through the cadence uh, for twenty twenty three regarding inflation, maybe, and what you're seeing in twenty twenty four?
1: Thanks. For like, is it, is it picking
5: I mean, up? Is it you know maybe where you're at, or is it picking up, slowing down? Maybe where you're at.
1: I think you know we're seeing persistent price increases. We didn't see things decrease in price in our commodities and things of that nature. So, but we're not seeing uh, the same level of increases as we did in the beginning of the year. So I'd say it's, it's fair to say it's certainly tapered off and probably stable where we are right now. Now things that
5: certainly right, are,
1: are more sticky than others in certain categories, certain commodities, uh, wages, and things of that nature.
5: And where are you being pinched? I mean, you just brought up wages as far as commodities go, where are you still being pinched the most?
1: Well, I think some of it's availability, some of it's in our you know when we look at steel, aluminum, uh, even wood, for example. yeah, you know, the quality of uh, the ability to get quality walnut for some of our uh, our rifles is one of those commodities that not many other manufacturers are concerned about, but that's one that you know to try to get quality walnut. Uh, at a reasonable price is something that, that uh, negatively impacts profitability or impacts the uh, the price of the, of the firearm going out the door
5: So you you're not having a hard time getting it. You're just having to pay more for it,
1: it There there are a few things we're having a hard time getting like I said the wood in particular getting good quality uh, highly configured walnut when you're looking for it for a number one rifle or an M77 uh, Woodstock rifle. Those are things that are harder and harder to find. And so uh, our buyer, buyers are always constantly looking for new sources and trying to make sure we're getting the best quality product we can because we have our own wood shop. So we're, we're turning those wood blanks up in Newport, New Hampshire, and then putting it on our products uh, at, uh, at our factories, both in New Hampshire and uh, North Carolina.
5: Got it. Uh, when looking at Marlin, it appears that you aren't fully meeting The demand that's out there could you kind of comment a little bit on that and and what you what levers you guys can pull to maybe either you know get more rifles to market
1: well as you may know uh, this year we turned on the the 1894 line so the 1894 line really doubles our capacity uh, in total Marlin production we have uh, one line we call the round bolt line that makes the uh, 1895s and the 336s the other line makes the 1894s. 1894s are the 44 magnums and 357 magnum rifles, uh, which is receiving tremendous demand, just like the the originals that we launched in the 4570. Uh, that's the good news, and it's it's been a uh, continuing challenge to get those ramped up to try to meet demand. Uh, the team down in Maiden is doing an awesome job. We still have room to grow, and uh, we're we're chasing that demand hard. We're trying to be be uh, conscious of the fact that we have to maintain quality first as we chase the demand. I mean, these are, these are quality rifles. Our customers expect them to be quality made, and I think we're delivering on that commitment, but uh, we've got to be careful to make sure we don't uh, try to go too fast and deliver rifles that are, that are not up to snuff to what our, our Ruger and Marlin customers are expecting.
5: Right, no, that's that is great news. Thanks for the color on that. And then, as I usually ask on, on these calls, could you touch a little bit on the accessories business and what you're seeing there?
1: Well, we the accessories business is a profitable segment for us for sure, particularly out of our Shop Ruger uh, segment, uh, particularly when it comes to things that we make, like our magazines, our BX1 magazines, our BX25 magazines, etc. And we we ran a promotion uh, in at the beginning of Q4 that included uh, ShopRuger. It provided, if a consumer bought a uh, American Rifle Generation 1, they were able to redeem it for $100 ShopRuger gift card. And that helped uh, drive both sales of the Generation Gen 1 American Rifles before the launch of the Gen 2s. And it also helped increase uh, sales at, uh, on our ShopRuber segment and drive traffic there and, and frankly, it got us a lot of new customers in the ShopRuber. So we're very pleased with the results of that promo. Uh,
5: excellent. Thanks for the time, guys, and congrats on the 75 years.
0: Thank you. Thank you one moment for our next question. And our next question. Comes from the line of Ramal Dionisio from Aegis Capital. Your question, please.
2: Uh, good morning. Thank you. Um, yeah, I know in your prepared comments you talked about uh, product mix shift in 2023 being somewhat adverse. I wonder if you could just maybe give us a feel for. You know, the strong orders you got in fourth quarter and the new products that you've launched, how we should think about product mix going into twenty twenty four. And as a follow up to that, um I know you guys have done a great job over the years of really engineering cost out of the out of the product line. And uh, I wonder if you could just talk about some of the initiatives there uh to uh you know to better position your gross margins. Thanks.
1: Thanks, Rommel I, I wouldn't call it an adverse product mix as much as you know, we had some lines that uh like you take our original uh, LCP the 3701 was the model number uh, When we started to look at where the market was where the competition was We looked at that and said we need to reposition a price. We have a great gun market-leading position with that gun But we know we can get our volume back up uh, when we reposition that model. So that's that's part of the actions we took on the uh, That original LCP. We also did it with the max 9 and the security 9 pistols so that between that and then doing some things like ramping up some of the lines that we neglected, uh, during COVID when we were pushing hard on certain other segments. Things like the single action revolvers. Our team up in Newport has done a great job getting that back, back up and running to kind of our historical levels. And so those lines, uh, while they're in a lot of demand, they're also hard to make, uh, and they're not, they're not as high in margin as we'd like. But I would tell you that the, uh, the folks are working, uh, every week, we've got new kaizans going on in, the, in all the factories to take costs out, uh, re- reduce our cost, reduce manufacturing costs, make the line safer for the folks working it. And so, I'm optimistic that those uh, kaizans will will continue to yield results for us.
2: Great, that's very helpful. Thanks so much.
1: Thank
0: Thanks, you. Rama. This does conclude the question and answer session of today's program. I'd like to hand the program back to Chris Killoye, President and CEO, for any further remarks.
1: Thank you. In closing, I'd like to start by thanking all of you for attending our call this morning and for our shareholders for their continued investment in our company. And I would like to thank our loyal customers and the 1,800 hardworking members of the Ruber team who design, manufacture, and sell rugged, reliable firearms every day in our American factories. I hope you will be able to join us at our virtual 2024 annual meeting on Thursday, May 30th. Further details will become available in April. Thank you.
0: Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your participation in today's conference. This does conclude the program. You may now disconnect. Good day.